G'day and welcome to Radio Notes, where those in music talk life and those in life chat music and more. I'm John Merch, the producer and host of Good to Have You On Board. We were to have an international guest from the archives today, but as life would have it, there's few dots of I's and crosses of T's to go ahead with that. So instead, 21 keys to the house. I look back on the first 20 episodes, not necessarily the highlights per se, but a chance for you to hear who we've had. And if you've joined us for the first time, maybe on FM, AM or digital, a chance to go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe or follow and catch up on some of those older episodes. And we'll do that right after we go in the box. Time to see what has landed in my inbox in the last few days. EMI states The Middle Kids has released new songs for Old Problems, a mini album that features the latest single, Big Softy, due to headline Heaven on June 25th in 2019. Speaking of the mini album, Matt Stell, Everywhere But On, is out through Sony. CK, as if to look and the abbreviation of Kayleen, not to get confused with the song title If You CK from years gone by. The latest holds a mid-tempo electronic beat. It's called Candlelight. Finally, from Monique Brumby, Closer to the Truth, the album. Their seventh record release will be out soon. Just shared a new single, Dirty Coal Mine, written from the point of view of a coal mining family trying to, they say, come to terms with what the mine would mean for future generations. To start our look back for the first 20 episodes, let's start with the chat recorded during the Writers' Week of 2017, the morning of my last live radio broadcast, with a musician who'd recently turned their hand to writing with a very popular book called Goodwood. We had a chat. If I remember rightly, even when you did have like a working job in a video store, it was an arts house video store, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. A, I worked there for eight years. It wasn't a blockbuster. No, it was, it like, wasn't a blockbuster. It was like the real deal artsy. Yeah, of. it was a family-run husband and wife <laughs> um, specialist video store. I loved it so much. Specialist. I know. Well, it was. It was an art house cult. But we had we had VHS tapes that you couldn't get anywhere in Sydney, let alone the rest of Australia. People would literally drive for hours and hours and hours to rent a John Waters film they couldn't find anywhere else or they released La Bella La Bette which was the you know a very early surrealist film and they would you know release Un Chien Andalou these really obscure kind of foreign and cult and schlock films and stuff so I had this I mean I'm saddened now that a lot of my film knowledge has just disappeared I can't remember so much but when I was there I was an absolute film expert and I loved it as I grew up it was my favourite place to visit was the video shop. From episode one, Holly Throsby. The next episode, there was still a bit of an etching to head to the old video store. Cut number three. Called Rewind. It's about... Um, I know, it's about VHS videos and make sure you rewind them before returning <laughs> them. That's what it's about. That's kind of what I wanted the feeling to be like. There's a little bit of a synth in there that kind of gives that. What was your first VHS, do you think? Charlotte's Web. Is Rewind a dark song? Yeah, it's probably the most mellow and it's dark. And it kind of starts with a memory that I have of being um, reckless teenager, young adult, and being at a party with a group of friends. And so it starts there and then it kind of moves on to now. And then kind of just, you know, being nostalgic and looking back. 
going, well, who am I now? And the formulation of what those memories have made you become? Yeah, absolutely. Finding closure in that. Eliza Hull. How We Disappeared is the name of her EP. Now to an artist who I had the chance to speak to whilst part of the Melbourne tour, who was deeply inspiring and uh, very helpful in getting me through the process between live radio and through to this new format of podcasting. Just a snippet. I'm really focused and driven and remembering what I wanted as a kid and it was it's always music and I think if you can I think if you can remember those dreams you had as a child and incorporate them later on in life, I think you can be quite happy. Maxon, M A X O N, a glowing soul at close quarters and as well through their music. Their latest Single is called December, which is out in the next few weeks, or might already be out, December, by Maxon. Tune to catch if you haven't already. So one of the interesting things about the work I get to do, it's not laborious in the sense that I'm in the office for 12 hours just constantly working through things, Mm -hmm. but it takes over your life and your mental capacity and your creative capacity. You go to sleep thinking about it. You have dreams about it. You wake up, you're still thinking about it. And in that respect, you can never switch off. But there have been challenges that, particularly in the past few months, have cropped up that, to be honest, I kind of enjoy. If there's something going wrong, I see that as a little opportunity to prove myself. Mm. It's like getting a bad hand of cards in poker and thinking, right, how do I win this one? And business is a lot of that. But how do you reward yourself? I don't do that enough. Uh, I don't take a lot of time off. But Mm -hmm. the product itself is really rewarding. And... That's really why I do it. I do it for the product and for, I know it sounds stupid and it sounds like a thing that you'd have on a customer service page, but I do it because people really like to use the product and that itself is the reward. But, you know, I've been taught by a few mentors that you've got to take moments to to reflect and think Mm -hmm. about where you are and enjoy those little wins and celebrate those moments. Is that also where charity fits in for you? A little. It's a way to stay a little grounded and a way to open up your, your mind a little and, and think mm-hmm. about things that aren't work uh, because there's a lot of privilege that comes with having a company mm-hmm. and being in a position like this that at a certain point I'll be able to hopefully give back uh, a lot more with but right now it's just you know, keeping an open mind to it Brain cancer, how does that fit in? What's the story there? That one's close to home Yeah, that's through a, a close friend who's been affected by that uh, over recent years that's been a, a learning curve for a lot of people, very traumatic, but very grounding and eye-opening. It's, it's hard uh, when people that you're close with are going through traumas to mm. see what's good about it and look for positivity. But you know, I'm, I'm hoping that that can just teach us all that we need to embrace life and the, make the most of opportunities that we because have. Because the mind of a CEO to a mind of someone who helps someone going through something like that, how do you balance those two worlds? There's no guidebook for it. And what that has taught me is that work is a little meaningless. Uh, As much as we love doing what we're doing, and even though my life is primarily work, that doesn't really matter. Mm. What matters is the people around you and enjoying moments and experiences and and connecting and communicating. And that's been a a grounding experience for the whole team and group of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friends, her family, my family, to be going through in our young 20s because it emphasizes the, the fragility of life and why it's so important to make the most of it. So that's a, a lesson that 
I'm hoping that we can be really grateful for in decades' time. CEO of Tableau Publishing, Ash Davies. His latest project, in fact, is with the Channel 7 network. It happens to be a podcast called The Road Ahead, and he also can be found doing reviews of the latest Teslas on YouTube. Speaking about books for which Tableau do, here's a bit of Zanny Colic, which didn't make the final edit, but you can hear now talking about Tim Rogers of You Am I. But he's also a writer. That's right, yep. Detours has been released. Mm-hmm. And is that where we can... I guess from a public point of view, not a musician's point of view, see that deeper side of who Mr. Rogers is? I guess so. I mean, an autobiography does something to let you into that, but it is it is an autobiography. You know, he's written it, so he's going to let you see what he wants you to see. How long does it take to really get to know a person, especially, like you say, an enigma like Tim. Um, mm. Everyone is multifaceted and Tim is very multifaceted and I'm still getting to know him um, but he he works very hard and he is doing a lot of different things so whereas a lot of musicians might at this point in their career go okay cool I've had a good time and now I'm going to go and just chill out. He's still out there working, he's still doing something he's never done before like writing a book or thinking about writing plays or participating in theatre. Zany Colick in conversation. Her latest clip is called Grey and she's been doing a lot of work with musicians behind the scenes as well. With all these, you'll be able to hear the full chats online at your favourite podcast app. Now to ex-South Australian Jeb Cardwell. He's the son of the great Roger Cardwell, the broadcaster. See, Dad never had a father, so... He wasn't very good at being one, really. Like, he did his, he did the best he could, but, you know, he, he also didn't uh, know what to do. I mean, I'm sure many people have been in the same boat where they've got a father that's not so great or, you know, um, every, we were all learning. Dad didn't have a father, so how can I expect him to be this, mm-hmm. this great father? I mean, he, he was... Um, I admired and respected him but he could have done things a lot better in in hindsight but at the time when I moved back from England and I was with him I was just really excited and over the moon to be with him and um, to be introduced to that Re, almost reintroduced to that world of, of of radio and TV because I really like that too maybe because it's it's sort of similar to the aspects of it are similar to music. Um, a lot of his friends could play guitar. Well, let's recap the story. As, as mm. we said, Terry may have been the person who gave you your first guitar. Yeah. But it was Father Roger who had the musical background mm. and where the music started maturing for yeah, you as well. that's right. Well, see, on my 21st birthday, um, he invited all his friends around and my guitar teacher. Yeah, and we'd all just jam and play guitar. He, he knew, like I say, he knew a lot of musos because a lot of people in the entertainment industry, you know, can play a bit of a tune. They might not do it as a living, but that, yeah, a lot of them can either play guitar, piano or bass or something. So yeah, my 21st was fantastic. We had all these guitarists come around and amongst the, 
them was my teacher. A wonderful rambling yarn you can hear with Jeb Cardwell. As I mentioned, his father is the great broadcaster Roger Cardwell, but an outstanding guitarist and repairer of guitars in Melbourne, Victoria these days. Jeb Cardwell's conversation, fascinating from start to end. And now time to a guy who not only releases his own music under The Smile Case, the band that he's part of, but also for the likes of Jules Sobiel. Doing unique stuff is fun. Uh, cassette tapes are cool. 100 cassette tapes, 200, make it limited with a download card. As a, a label manager, as someone who's responsible for other artists apart from yourself when you release... How do you take that responsibility on board? I feel like I have to be in the middle. Like, I don't want to be like, like so a lot of the stuff I like, you know, I license. It's already been recorded. There's some stuff that's been organic from scratch where the band's, you know, demoed, went to the studio, recorded. I don't like to be like hanging out at the studio being like, do this. Oh, I think that would be good. Like kind of getting in that producer role. I kind of like to give distance and space that way and let them create. Ben Andrus of The Smile Case, also the boss of Black Top Records. Now to a chat that was from the archives. I've always been something of a nomad anyway. I mean, I left my home, Perth, when I was 19. And although I have, you know, beautiful friends and, and, you know, Melbourne is a wonderful place to live, I only miss people. I don't miss places as much. It's the people that I miss. So... I am leaving, you know, I'm leaving another life behind that, you know, is, is a different one and a different path and I wish that I could live them both, but I have to choose and music and my passion is leading the way. Also leading that drive is the, uh, and some people don't like talking about this, but I'm going to, the commercial success of Song About Me, which is a bit of a catalyst for this tour. Definitely. That- you know, the song's been incredible for me. I've the, the publishing company that I have in Melbourne, Gaga Music Publishing, they got that one in both the Scandinavian TV commercial and now the Ski Yogurt commercial. It's also been in a couple of Australian TV series. Uh, it's just been so good for me, that song. And, yeah, I mean, the commercial success of it has been great. And that, there's nothing wrong with commercial success. I wish I had more of it. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this for that. But it does help so much as an independent artist especially those opportunities you can't get them anywhere else those licensing opportunities are fantastic kobe grant now firmly based in berlin from the archives originally from western australia australia has released solid ground or is about to i should say there is some advanced copies that have made their way around the world and is also recording a brand new record as i speak as well that's Kobe Grant. Radio Notes, released first as podcast, can also be heard on radio worldwide. You're organising an acoustic session in a housing estate area and you've got the drug dealer standing next to you pretty much trying to push you out of the way possibly. You're talking about an outside public space that is essentially the back garden for for 3,000 people that live on the estate. If they want to have a safe performance of music, the people that live there have got a right to that in the same way the kids have got a right to play basketball or ride their bikes around there's a very good chance that you'll become a target there's a good chance that you could you get hit as has happened but at the same time you're trying to fight that perception that drug dealers or other forces at work actually own these spaces they belong to the people that live on the estate and they should be able to engage with those spaces without that fear 
Christopher Sprake of Hidden Currents, as well as last match recordings in conversation about his day job, but also as a musician, how he melds the two. The great thing about Radio Notes is those in music get a chance to talk about life, so you might get a bit of insight into the musical process, and those in life talking about music so we know how it makes people tick. Man, much more. Let's take a slice of a chat I recorded backstage at the Adelaide Festival Theatre. When I ask how is the home life, what I'm asking is about, as much as you want to share, the dynamics of being two musicians, getting a life together and getting things happening. We just got married in November, so we've spent our first three-ish months ever together, like... Part of November, December, January, part of February. Mm-hmm. Like we were basically together the whole time. I think that's the longest we've ever been together because we're always on different tours, meeting in other cities and, you know, staying in hotels and, you know, all kinds of like here for two days. Okay, see you in two weeks, you know. So that's been a learning mm-hmm. process just like trying to get used to each other in one space. The good thing is we get along, <laughs> get along, we like each other, we share music, we share kind of like ideas with each other on how to further our own careers and then the things that we do together. And, you know, and we also like to go to the beach and eat steaks when I'm not a vegan and Yeah, we have a good time. And outside of that, what do you like doing? Oh, wow. That's a hard question because I'm a workaholic. (laughs) I started learning photography. I bought a camera about three years ago, and it took me a little while to, like, actually understand what was happening. (laughs) So what do you want from your photography? I want to learn how to take portraits of people. So I'm, I'm doing it as an experiment on myself. I'm working on lighting. I'm, it's kind of hard, but especially when we have like limited resources because I don't have a ton of stuff that I'm working with. Rachel Eckroth. She's only just finished touring with Rufus Wainwright right across the world. And some interesting moments there where we spoke about her partnership to her husband, who's a touring musician as well. What's in the jukebox now for Simon Taylor, particularly mm. while you're writing this material and getting ready for a possible TV appearance? Still a lot of rap music. I liked Eminem's recent album, The New Guys. I like all those new uh, mumble rap that everyone talks about. Mac Miller is actually, that's been my number one album last Mac Miller was very sad when he passed away last year, but that album I played a lot and that's uh, been a big inspiration. So Mac Miller is probably number one at the moment. When they do pass away, mm. how, how do you then look at their work? I don't know. I get super emo- I'm a very emotional boy. So I, I kind of, um, I, w- I actually withdraw into their work. So I will put Mac Miller's album on and just not do anything that day. Like I might go to the gym, but I'll be listening to <laughs> Mac Miller on the way there, do my work and listen on the way back and just sort of sit and listen. So I, I will stop what I'm doing to listen. I certainly do that with music. I, I, I don't generally like music while I'm working or writing or creating. 
I think it's something that I stop and listen to. And so an artist kind of has to, for me, be worthy of stopping and listening to. You, you're pretty good for a girl, you know, and that's just like look of surprise yeah. that your your expectations are so low and that I can actually – it's like how dare you patronise me with your expectations. So yeah. we, we need to raise the expectations, respect that women can be – the same if not better than men and that diversity makes a better society in every industry and we have to make sure that we have role models encouraging women to be brave and, and attempt these industries and that is where we start so it's really role models I think. The album is called The Policy, which I am assuming is about a series of different policies. I want to focus on this particular issue that we've stirred you up about, or I have at least. It doesn't take much to stir us up, I tell you. It really does. It's not hard. How do we get it off the page as a society and into action? The arts. Education. Education. Leadership in education and arts inspiring people outside politics and like corporation advertising and the last scene of the movie they're both hanging over the edge of the cliff after a uh, a bit of a fight and Macaulay's like an evil child throughout the whole film the mum has a boy's hands like one kid on each hand and she's got to let go of one to save the other and so that's a game I like to play she drops Macaulay because he's I like to play that game with bands like that like that you have to pick a side on, Rolling Stones or the Beatles. You can only, you got to let go of one, you need both hands to save the other. Once you drop, you can only ever hear their songs in your head. You can never hear them again. And I would choose the Beatles. Laura and Brulia there, their album, Scared of You. Prior to that, Glitterous, The Policy is the name of their record. And at the top, Simon Taylor, The Comedian, has a brand new children's book out. We had a bit of a chat about that, but also... A little bit of an exclusive about his dreams to host a variety show on commercial television. You're listening to Radio Notes. Good to have you still with us. We're having a look back at the last 20 episodes. And in at number 18 was Audra Santa. And sincerest apologies if I've said her name wrong. I never seem to get it right. I'm such a loser. I seriously am. And it's one of the most popular episodes we've had. So... Here is an excerpt from that. I stayed at the Darling Mansion as an Airbnb, and it is the most eclectic place. If anybody here listening goes to Toronto, please look up the Darling Mansion, look up Tanya Grassi. She is just a creative maverick who's made this amazing place. So I stayed in the Opium Den, which was a bedroom upstairs. After I saw it, I mentioned to Tanya several months later that I was interested in shooting a video, and she opened up her home to me, and I shot it there, and it was... Yeah, it was this dark and moody and foreboding vibe that I wanted for the song. Really, the creativity, even now I I work with people who are some of the creative artists working within the mansion or connected to the community there, including a lady named Micheline, who's a live painter and artist and fashion designer, another designer named Evan Bedell, and they've kind of all become my community. It's almost this little neighborhood that I live in where we all encourage and inspire each other. I think what I'm hearing is it gave you a chance for that song to actually connect back to when you first arrived in a new space as well. So an old memory, Mm -hmm. but a new space. Was it a chance to close that chapter in any particular way or did it leave the book open on that story, that narrative for which the song is about? Oh, you know, it's really interesting because the song at the time was when my relationship was kind of falling apart and it was just a visceral response 
I wasn't even thinking of the words. I literally just came into the studio and emoted and the producer, Tristan Hoogland, who's now in LA, was like, that's it. When I went to do the video, the video wasn't really connected to the song directly. The video was more about reconciling two different parts of myself, the dark and the light. And, you know, as we're talking about being a worship leader and in a church, I, I, I really struggled when I stepped out of that and started making my own music like exploring certain parts of myself that I almost thought were forbidden or bad in some way and one of the things that's been a big part of my healing the last couple of years not just relationally but with myself and with you know my own sense of spirituality and everything has been not calling any part of myself bad but actually redeeming it all by allowing myself to fully examine every part of who I am who I was and who I want to become that video is about the dark and light parts of myself and the division of the two, but actually allowing it to come together and realizing that the true essence of who I am doesn't deny any of it. Is yeah. this the aspect that being the good girl is creative suicide? Oh, I think putting yourself into any sort of box is creative suicide. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, for a long time, all of my art was very safe. I was playing it safe. Safe art makes for weak art, in my opinion. If I'm trying to make art that's going to appeal to everyone, then it will be something that inspires no one. So even now, so with my, my recent video, Afterglow, as we we're talking about it being banned on Facebook, what happened was is there's too much implied nudity that I wasn't able to promote the Facebook post. And I got a couple messages from some you know lovely friends and well-intentioned people who didn't like the video themselves and that's okay it's not for everyone and no artist for everyone people are going to have different tastes there were certain things within the video that I was doing that was allowing myself the creative freedom and the fullness of expression and sensuality and parts of myself that I had kind of kept wrapped up for a long time coming out and to make a statement because it's about a woman taking back her power so in that sense, some people aren't going to like what I do. And being the good girl and trying to do something where everyone's going to like it is actually fully denying the reason that I make any music or art in the first place. All of my music initially from when I was young came out of pain. It came out of a place of trying to understand broken parts of myself. So it's not going to be clean. It's not going to be you know, all shiny and new all the time, it's going to be messy. And my hope is that with any music or art that I make is that it would inspire other people to be willing to look at some of the darker or the hidden parts of themselves. Because we always have a choice about what we do with it, but we have to look at it in the first place. Audra Santa, now to wrap up the wrap up of the last 20 episodes. So from 1 to 20, this is from episode 20. So the meta concept of this was essentially this idea of culture side, which is the end of, of human culture by human means. Mm. So what does that mean? Like, or the end of human civilization? I mean, what are the differences between the words culture and civilization? So they have very different connotations to me so if it's the end of human civilization by human means does that mean the end of human culture no if it's the end of human culture does it mean the end of civilization probably you know but it's exploring sort of aspects of how humanity might meet its own demise and from a sonic so that's kind of a, a meta 
conceptual point of view. And whether listeners get that from the record, that's completely up to them. I probably won't hammer that home too much. I'll leave it up to people to decide. But from a sonic point of view, there's kind of an extension of some of the sonic ideas I was exploring in Deer Heart. In Deer Heart, there's a lot of sounds that I harvested from my own body. So using stethoscope microphones to record heartbeats or hydrophones to record myself doing mundane things like doing the dishes or doing the you know having a bath or something like that and these became part of the sonic palette and in this in in culture side i kind of with in in keeping with the theme essentially i kind of took that sonic idea to another place which is recording machines that monitor the human body so i spent a really interesting night at the Royal Melbourne Hospital recording MRI machines, electrocardiograms, these kind of things, and then trying to find a way to make that musical. Tillman Robinson, his album's called Dear Heart, from the last episode, and to round out our look at the last 20 back-to-normal episodes next time. RadioNotesPodcast.com for show notes and links. Web design there by Steve Davis. Theme music by Martin Kennedy and All India Radio. I'm Tammy Weller. John Merch is the producer and host based in Adelaide, South Australia. 